This is the Financial Coconut Podcast, Singapore's first personal finance podcast network. I'm your host, Reggie, aka Yorchi Financial Coconut. Every Wednesday, you'll be chilling with me and my guests, who are some of the quirkiest, geekiest people we can find on the internet about how they do money and life. Sit back, relax. We are a few days away from the weekend. Welcome to Chill Swift TFC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. First of all, yes, you don't need a lot of money to be a nomad. I think that for rental, you can even get really low, like mm. really two, three hundred dollars. You could a get month. High. Yes, is it like high. a villa kind of thing? Or okay, is it like... not so villa. <laughs> Welcome to Chills with TFC, where we sit down with the geekiest, quirkiest individuals to learn about how they do money and life. I'm your host Reggie, aka your chief financial coconut, and today we have a break. Our uh, last week's episode very heavy, very very heavy, I know. And this week, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine that uh a bit more upbeat. Like. I'm quite impressed by her because she may be one of the person that uh I would aspire to be in thirty years time, right? Going against the grain, learning on the go, finding her relevance in space. She has actually gathered a community of whole C-suite professionals to invest as an angel syndicate. But more importantly, she recently did the whole digital nomad thing, right? Spending time in Bali, even at 60 years old. By the time this episode airs, she would have done it again. I think there's so much to learn from her experiences through life. She keeps on, you know, learning and changing and being relevant. And I think it's it's very cool that someone like her does not readily throw these ideas as strawberry generation. Oh, this is what young people do, lah, not mine, lah, right? So introducing Christina Teo from She1K. This is Chills with TFC. So yes, we are back uh, today with another great person in the house, right? And uh, my name is Reggie, aka Your Chief Financial Coconut, and I'm joined with Christina. Finally, <laughs> finally, Indeed, yes, finally. finally. Maybe introduce yourself, our audience that mm-hmm. they don't know you. Right. What's your background? How do you end up here? Blah Got blah it. blah. Yeah. Okay. What do you do now? Yeah, I mean, I am a Singaporean, mm. but I left at a very very early age, um, like 23 years old, to pursue a career outside. Of of Singapore to work in Taiwan. And since then, I've been in the technology industry, you know, working for big companies like Acer, IBM, 3Com. Uh, I was also the first GM of Yahoo in Singapore. Yahoo in Singapore. Yes. Uh, So So you went from the hardware to like digital media search kind of thing. Most of my career was outside of Singapore, but I did come back to join IBM in 1995. And then I was the first GM of Yahoo in Singapore. So those were the only two stints, right? Mm. 15 months each, I came back to Singapore. Mm. But otherwise, I was outside. Mm. Uh, And then, you know, I also launched the world's first Windows smartphone under the brand of O2. So the first PDA phone with an antenna, that's done by me. Wow. 
Yeah. So that was actually because I worked for British Telecoms mm. and then they took me out and, and to spearhead this. And so for the longest time, I was even their solo worker. So I guess, uh, you know, I could say that I'm kind of an entrepreneur mm. in in global multinationals mm. to get, you know, paid well. Yeah, yeah. Intrapreneur, uh, right? These right. days, that's a different word exactly. for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so I guess, you know, that kind of a spirit that was built already since I was very early in my career. Uh, so I came back maybe like six years ago. Mm. Maybe even now, six and a half already. Yeah, that's about the time when I first saw yeah. like this lady very strong <laughs> in the room. Right. Yes, yes, yes. But at that time, honestly, I wasn't looking for anything much. I very happily retired. By that time, I was really retired for a good eight years. But when I came back for my mom, then that's when I decided to find some kind of a purpose. But I never thought it would be anything digital. For me, it's passe already. Mm. I'm passe, not mm. it's passe. I'm passe. So, uh, wait, what made you say that? Because I, I don't do any social media. I hardly Google whatever. And I was already, you know, withdrawn from the world, right? In the sense that I really didn't network. I didn't do anything. And then when I came back and I stumbled on this seven-letter word called startup, and then it just kept coming at me. And I was like, what is this? So then I had to Google, like, what is this? No more Yahoo. Yeah, exactly. So at least that much I know, right? So mm-hmm. then uh, when I Googled, then I saw this slush event. Of course, I didn't know what it was. But I say, you know what? If it looks like a big thing, if I really want to know what this is all about, go for a trade show, right? Go to a show mm. so that you find out for yourself. So that's really the beginning of my journey. That's September 2016. Crazy, crazy. So, okay, from then Mm -hmm. till now, Mm -hmm. how did you feel like your life has changed? First thing I say to people, now that I'm in my 50s, right, I definitely have lived a lot more years than most people. And so there must be a lot more stories. Mm. But I would say the last six years has been the most exciting, I think. Mm. right? Of course, you know, having at the forefront of a lot of new technologies, the first laptop, the first broadband modem, even being in the dot-com, and then after that, the first smartphone, right? Mm. So I've always been at that kind of edge of the, the mm. latest technology. But then I would say this last six years has been most revealing yeah, yeah, and most invigorating. I think the main difference is also because my career, I was focused on me. It was all about me, me being the achiever. Yes, I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn. That has changed. Mm-hmm. I'm still like that. Love the learning. But now it's a lot more about others, right? About community, about what can I do for others? How can I empower others? Mm-hmm. Uh, So that is, I think, the most significant change in my life. And it's weird. Trust me, it's weird. Mm. If so many decades you've always been thinking about yourself, how can you then just change like that, right? Mm. And so I don't know whether it's, is it really a matter of age? I think it's not. Mm. I think it's kind of a phase of life you go through and maybe because I have been very lucky. Mm. I always say that. And my friends will always scold me for saying that because they, they know I work very hard. But I think you need that luck. That you is, know, that is. That allows you the opportunity to yes, work hard yes. even to get started. Yes, yes. So that's how I feel. That is your backstory, right? How is it manifested in the sense that what are you actively doing now then? Like all mm-hmm. these things accumulated. I think, you know, from the time 
that I finally realized that actually I'm not that obsolete, mm. okay? Because when I went to the slush event, of course it's intimidating mm. when most of the people are half your age or mm. less. When you haven't been into a trade show, after my corporate days, I haven't been to a trade show for so long. So suddenly this was overwhelming. So I was talking to female entrepreneurs, uh, but actually they were mostly from Malaysia. They were not from Singapore. Oh. Yes. And I figured out the reason why. So what's the reason? Because honestly, back in those days and even now, Singapore women do get very good access to very good job opportunities mm, here. Mm. So there is a little bit of the comfort in living kind of thing. Mm, Whereas mm. in Malaysia, salary scales are very different. Mm. So it's like, Easy decision, right? Yes. Why don't I work for myself rather than work for someone else? Yes, yes. There isn't a big gap. Mm. Yeah. But at that time, most of the people that I was talking to were from Malaysia. And then it was just a very easy conversation. And I realized that I was sharing a lot of my insights. You know, it's not just sharing about experience, like what I have done. Because mm. really immaterial. Mm. When you get into the startup world, what you have done Nice to know. Mm. I'm X blah, X blah, so what, right? <laughs> X blah. Yeah. Okay, so, okay. and that's one thing I try to, you know, kind uh. of stop myself from saying I'm X blah, X blah. I was even talking about, you know, Zalora and all this kind of thing because I did experience some kind of a fashion business when I was in Hong Kong. Mm. So that's why I could add something to it. And they were just bewildered. And that's when I realized there is a gap because a lot of entrepreneurs have not worked for big companies before or maybe even have not worked for someone else before. Mm. So they may not have that advantage of knowing how a day-to-day -day business is and so forth. So when I was sharing that with them, I could see their eyes light up and so forth. But the problem was for me at that time was, it was just my first day, right, at Slush. And I say, why would these people want to meet me again? Mm. There is no reason to make a connection. And I wasn't even active on LinkedIn at that time. Definitely, I didn't think of LinkedIn, mm. right? So that pushed me. That pushed me. I go like, what then should I do to be able to make myself relevant to these group of people? So that's why I said, okay, then I need to create something where I draw people to me. Mm. So that's why I started a community for women startups, but always open to anybody. So mm. men or women can join all my activities. Mm. That's like how aware, I got started. It's focused on women, but everybody can join. Yes, 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 yes. So to be honest, three years into the journey, right, I did miss my kind of corporate speak, mm. right? Corporate frequency. Because I've already experienced both sides of the world, mm. right? I've done corporate and then I had three years of full immersion of startups. I always say I'm a full-time angel investor, mm -hmm. right? This is not a side gig. It's not mm -hmm. a hobby. Mm -hmm. So that's why, you know, I was so immersed. First three years was just learning, being in the ecosystem, building the traction. And again, it wasn't plan or design. It just happened. One day someone told me, do you know you already have 7,000 over followers on LinkedIn? And I said, what is it? <laughs> Like, what is followers? Okay. You know, the person actually had to go to the page, go to my profile and say, there, that's mm. where it is. That's how I learned. So that just kind of pushed me more and more. I said, oh, okay, if there are that number of people interested in mm. my story, then there must be more, mm. right? Mm. How am I going to do it? So really step by step, I, I learned that. And so three years into this action, I go like, no, now this is boring because what's the point of learning and learning and learning, but you can't apply it, mm. right? Mm. So then I go like, okay, I judge pitch events. I hear people pitch, but there's nothing I can do. 
So that's when I started looking at angel investing. Mm. So she won K, uh, the world's first C-suite executive angel syndicate. As a PR line. Yes. <laughs> important, important, yes. Was only formed actually slightly more than three years ago. Nice. So how much have you invested so far? I always say I, I don't make the same kind of money that I used to make. Mm. So that's why I knew that I couldn't do this alone. Mm. And that's why I wanted to reach out to a kind of people that I understand very well. And honestly, a lot of the things in corporate world has not really changed, mm. right? So I knew how to pitch to these people. So I got them to join me. And of course, I borrowed this tagline, right, from Helen Keller. Jack Ma uses it a lot as well. Alone, I can do so little. Together, mm. we can do so much. That really resonated with me. Mm. Yeah, so that's why I created this syndicate and started onboarding corporate executives. And I'm a sick stickler for that, right? Which means that you must be a C-suite executive or at least, you know, senior vice president mm. or have a very interesting track record in a corporate world. Otherwise, you are not really able to you participate. You can go somewhere else in that sense. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you can still invest with us, but you just can't be in the core program. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And mm -hmm. then I remember in the beginning, I was like, oh yeah, I must talk about this ageism thing, right? I do think a lot of people are, are afraid. This whole ageism thing where, mm. you know, it's like, you feel like, oh, old people must take care, you know, like... <laughs> Like these people have lived longer than you. They know how to take care, right? So it's 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 a lot of that narrative which mm -hmm. on one end affects the, the older people. Mm. On another end, it affects the pre-elderly which they then feel like, oh my God, I'm going to be like that. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, yes. So can, can you share with us a little bit of your thoughts on this whole like, like mm. Singapore must like cuddle the old people kind of, kind of thing. <laughs> so, yeah. Aging is a very interesting discovery process. I think seeing my mother age brings a lot of reality because I've always been very young at heart. I've lived in so many countries. I travel like crazy. So that's why I've never really thought of myself as old or aging mm. before, right? That means in the good old days. So when I saw my mother aging, that was when I realized, oh my God, this is real. There is a lot of thoughts I have behind it, but one of the funny things that, that scared me, actually, you don't want to tell yourself that you're old. I'm okay to share my age, but I don't want to tell myself that I'm old. But the point was when people give way to you, like seats in, in the train station, oh God, that was my first sign that no matter, even if you have a mask covering your face, someone just thinks that you're old and they need to give the seat to you. Mm. Uh, I get really upset with that. So now, no matter what I think, this is how I look. Right, so people going to recognize it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And do you feel that there is structural forces against the pre-senior citizen, right? You know, like maybe like 50, our audience are maybe like 35, 45, mm -hmm. you know, but you know, as you kind of move closer and closer, yeah. and there are a lot of horror stories, like, oh, right. you are obsolete, <laughs> la. the company don't want to hire you anymore, don't want to train you, don't want to promote you, you know, and then, you know, society, blah, 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 blah. So, so any but, thoughts on that? But having said that, I think a lot of it is self-induced. Mm -hmm. So maybe a lot of my peers really think that, ah, you know, don't bother. It's okay if I don't know. Why do you need to know all this? So that for me is self-induced. Mm. Yeah. And actually when I retired at 41 and I went to New York, I actually did uh, intern for the agency that handled Paris Hilton's fashion line. It was just somebody I stumbled into. And then, you know, I've always loved fashion although I had never worked in a fashion company. And so that lady, fellow Sagittarian, you know, and she was 
very bubbly and spontaneous. So then I, I just asked her, I said, can I just come and work in your company for free? And she just said, why not? Come. So I, I think right now, as I'm going to turn 60 next year, I did ask myself, can I actually go back into the corporate world? Mm. What value can I bring? Right. Mm. And I'm happy to even be an intern all over again. Right. But the point is, this is where Asia is very different from the States. And I think this is where sometimes I think about it, right? So for the longest time, of course, I don't want to work for anybody. Even when I was hired to launch the world's first maritime accelerator in Singapore. At that time, I said, you know what? I'm not for sale. I'm not for hire. If you want, you can contract me to do it, even though I have no experience doing it. I just don't want someone to be my boss. Okay, great. And we all kind of know that Bali is like the on some level, like the mecca of like startup, digital mm -hmm. nomad kind of thing. Okay, maybe okay. not where funding is, but it's right. like a lot of people go there and hike to try to like grow their ideas or like mm -hmm. do a lot of digital nomadic mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us why were you there? What's your experience? How right. was it like in Bali? Okay, so first of all, it's uh, really nearby, right? It's yeah, only yeah, two yeah. hours. Okay, fair. So yes. that resistance is very low. Yes. Funny thing is, I even forgot when I retired for the second time. So first time I retired, 41 years old, went to New York for four and a half years. Then after that, I went back to, to Hong Kong to work for CSL. Then after that, I retired for good. So yeah. anyway, I forgot mm. that I actually did move to Bali. Oh. I even bought a villa in Bali. Do I, you forget the villa also? Yes. <laughs> Okay, I forgot that I sold it because I realized uh, right, quite soon that it's not for me mm, at that time. Mm, this is like easily 14 years ago. Okay. So this time when I went back, I go like, oh my God, I just haven't been here for a long time. Mm. Honestly, not that much has changed. Uh. Okay. Okay. I mean, there are some new sexy pockets and <laughs> of course, Changu has become a lot more interesting as a real estate investment place, etc. Mm. But generally speaking, mm. it's still... Bali is still Bali, which mm. is nice for us. Honestly, I was just playing with words, right? I'm not really a digital nomad. I'm just in between homes. Mm. So I sold a place before I bought one. Stupid. Don't do the same, right? <laughs> and so as a result, I got myself into a crunch, right? So that's why I said, you know what? Rather than rent a place in Singapore in the meantime, why don't I experience nomadic life? Mm -hmm, okay. Mm -hmm. So then Bali became an obvious choice also because, you know, I'm quite close to the Draper Startup House people and I've always found them to be, I mean, I saw you there. Yeah, yeah. You served me tea there. Yeah. So then, uh, you know, because of that, I say, hey, you know, if they are building an ecosystem there... They're pretty and, cool. Right. Yeah. And because this year, so much talk about Bali being the new Silicon Valley of startups, I had to go check it out myself. Mm -hmm. And so it was an obvious decision. And by the way, I was there for 16 days. Now I'm back here. But I'm going back again in January and February. For two months? For two months. Ah. Partially because my house will be in renovation. But another reason is also because... You can tick the actual checkbox of being a digital nomad. No? Exactly. <laughs> Right? And then the third reason is because, uh, you know, I run this program called Sea Shark Tank. Mm. This was decided even before uh, my nomadic intentions was we were going to hold it in Bali uh. for our eighth season. It wasn't a big group, but it was a very interesting mix of people there. Maybe I can't make real general conclusions, but enough insights for me. So first of all, I was surprised 
that there were quite a number of founders that have been to Bali before. Many years ago, before COVID, they were already there before. So they're not new to Bali. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then many of them actually were already exited or on the way to exit. So they went to Bali to kind of think of, you know, to hatch another plan. Hatch and, another plan. Oh, Bali suddenly sounds so sexy. Yes, 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 yes. So I was like, hey, that's a very interesting angle, uh, right? Uh. Take yourself away from your home and just go somewhere else and meet other founders as well and think of something new. So that was something. And then there were some really first-time founders as well that was thinking, how can I leverage Bali? So that one, we did have a fair amount of discussion, which means that there is a cultural maybe drawback in Bali. And that made me think of the antler model, right? Mm. Whereby you may have to actually pay people mm. to learn, mm. right? Mm. So for example, if you want to bring coding skills, you want to set up a coding school, then you may have to even instead of making them pay you to learn, you have to pay them to come and learn, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But after that, you can help them to find jobs mm -hmm. or you get the jobs and then you Dish have- Dish it out, yes. Right, mm -hmm. right. So I thought that if Bali could be developed that way, because now we're in a digital talent crunch, mm -hmm. so difficult to find talent. So this would be actually, and Singapore being so close by and also other neighboring countries. So I think there is something there. Great, great. Yeah. And how was your personal living experience oh my over God. there? First of all, yes, you don't need a lot of money to be a nomad. Now, was I living the 100% nomadic life? Probably not. No right? lie. I saw the pictures <laughs> of like, wow, drinks, yeah. party, you yeah. know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. But hey, a very good gourmet meal is 10 Singapore dollars. Mm. Now even Singapore is more expensive than that. I mean, mm. you can't get gourmet meals mm. at even four times that price. No, now Chai Peng is inching close to $10. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So because of that, I go like, wow, what a treat, right? Yeah. You can really treat your body well. Mm. And the ambience while you eat, it just makes you chill. It kind of calms you down, allows you to really reflect and think. I mean, that's quite a life. But what I would really give credit to is the Gojek and the Grab. Mm. I mean, what's killing us right now in Singapore? Every time you take a Grab, especially on a rainy day, every time you order a Grab Express to deliver something, it's expensive in Singapore. In um, Bali, I don't know about Jakarta, but I think it's not that different, okay? Rain or shine, normal hours or midnight, the price is the same. Any long distance I go, less than two Singapore dollars. I'm lazy because it's too hot outside and I don't want to do it myself. I just order a pickup. And because I, I don't have an Indonesian account, so I can just pay the Grab. Grab will pay the driver. The driver goes pick up, comes over. That's it. Everything is so easy and for less than two Singapore dollars. So there is very little not to like mm. there. So, so if someone is thinking about like, mm -hmm. oh, how about we go there? Like give it a shot, give it an yeah. experience. Yeah. What would you advise them to do? I think if you have a clear business proposition and you really want to be in a place where everything is more affordable and also you can find certain talent that is not going to cost you too much. I think Bali is an interesting option. It's not the only option, mm. right? Because we all know Vietnam has its attraction as okay, well. Yes, yes. But I did make one observation though, compared to 14 years ago when I was there, right now, a lot of Balinese speak fluent English. Oh. Yes. Whether it's a Gojek driver or someone in a hotel 
or anyone in the F&B, no problem whatsoever. They get you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Very easily. If there is a way that more founders who go there can also contribute, right? It's mm. not just to take, mm. right? So you take advantage of the lower cost, you take advantage of more land, etc. but also to give back to that ecosystem. In what way? So, you know, for example, I, I still think that what Draper Startup House do is really great, right? Mm -hmm. Providing a place where people can mm. congregate. Yeah, hi Vikram. <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't do that, then again, accessibility is an issue, right? But if you do that and so... If only more people would do that, because I think Jakarta was the same, right? There was a period of time where suddenly co-working space just keep booming. And then people know where to go, where to go to meet people, where to go to learn, where to go to find your co-founder, for example. I think that's still not there yet. So that's why I say, if you want to go there, it's better if you already have something and then you want to set up there. But if you're going, hoping to just set up out of the blue, and to find your co-founder there, I don't think it's there yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not set up for that. But then, is it only all for like founders? Mm -hmm. You know, like because digital nomad yeah. uh, is quite synonymous with this founder, founder thing, start yeah. your own thing, write your right. own newsletter, build your own podcast, you know, like right. big and small, like do your own little thing. Yeah. What about the people that actually hold like full-time corporate jobs? I think now increasingly there's more and more jobs that really allow you to be remote, mm -hmm. right? I mean, if you're in a financial sector, it may be a bit difficult. Mm. Because Not maybe, like, quite difficult. Yes. So far, <laughs> right. we have a lot of friends in exactly. the space. Yes. But if you're in a non-financial sector, non-regulated sector, mm. easily, mm. you really can set up home there because you don't need to buy anything. You can rent something so cheap. And even the hotels are cheap. Give me some color. For example, if you stay in Saminya, I, I, I still think Saminya is better than Changu, okay? Mm -hmm. Changu too uh, noisy. <laughs> like Papong Beach, uh, too many things. Yes, yeah. yes. So I think if it's Saminya everywhere, is really you can walk around even. Mm. And of course, a lot of the founders that I found in, in Bali, they ride a bike. Mm. So that for them is uh, heaven. So I think it's those sort of things. You really probably won't ride a bike in Bangkok as much mm. as you will ride in Bali. I will not ride a bike in Bangkok. Exactly. Zero chance. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's, it's maybe just a lot bigger, a lot more spread mm. out, right? Whereas Bali is more contained. Mm. And you know, you know, yeah. okay, if I go to Seminar, it means this. If I go to Jimbaran, it means that. Mm. So in a way, it's quite well structured. Yeah. You know yeah. where to go for what. Different groups have been hanging out in different places. Exactly. I this think, is like Wakanda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so right, how, right. how much estimate the cost for us? Like, how much mm. will it cost if I were to live a month in Bali? I think that for rental, you can even get really low, like mm. really two, three hundred dollars. You could a get month. Buy. Yes. You is it like a buy. villa kind of thing? Or okay, is it like... not so villa. <laughs> <laughs> Control yourself. Ah. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. But close enough, I think. Okay, really. okay. And then, of course, it's always about, you know, distance from the center. Of course. So if you know how to ride a bike, mm. it's a no-brainer, right? Mm. Easy to make yourself comfortable. And then otherwise, I think, you know, for food as well, if you like local warung food, then it's very cheap, right? It's like less than your Hainanese chicken rice. And so just multiply that by 30 days times two meals. 
you're pretty good to go. Wow. Okay. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. I'm out. <laughs> Plus, remember now there is the ten-year visa as well. It's yes. not very expensive, right? I know. I vaguely remember it was like you just need to show that your bank account is like two thousand US dollar or something. Oh wow. Yeah, it's not crazy. Right. Yeah, and then oh. you you pay I don't know how much and you get like a a year first mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. You know, as with as with a lot of these kind of digital nomad visa, right. so it's like a year and yes. then like you know you can renew, yes. renew, yes. blah 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 kind of but thing. But I think community is important. If you are a digital nomad and then you're all by yourself there, after a while it can yeah. get challenging. Yeah, right? yeah. So how how is the yeah. community then in Bali? I, I wasn't able to really see okay, okay. that many people. And also because it's end of the year. Mm-hmm. So most people may not be there. They may be going home and stuff, right? But if something can be done to maybe strengthen a little bit and have more pockets of community and more visibility, I think it would draw more people there. Mm-hmm. Right now, I heard about Chiang Mai, for example. Chiang Mai sounds like they've got more of it done mm-hmm. well. So mm-hmm. people know how to go there and you don't have to be a farmer. So in Chiang Mai, I think they're more really pure digital nomad prone. Like actually have a full-time job or like maybe mm. provide their services on Fiverr or something. Yeah, like not, remote not, gigs. Yeah, like remote stuff. Not really like, oh, you have to start a thing kind yes. of thing, right? Yeah. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. great, great. And for a lot of listeners, they are mm-hmm. like professionals, right? Mm-hmm. So they're like 30, 40, you know, professionals. And some people, you know, you know working corporate, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, every day the same, same yes. old grind. Yes. But I think you've come from like multiple optics in your know, life so far. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts for them? Any feedback for us? So you probably know I also run this uh, series of events called Women Changemakers, mm, right? So I saw. Uh, before COVID, I was crazy. I actually did 11 of them. Uh, all physical, in 18 months in three cities. Ever since I got into the startup world, every time I want to start something, I would just go full force, bang, 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 bang. Even when it's half-baked, quarter-baked, I will put it out first. And then as the registration comes in, then I start putting in the other pieces. And I found that it actually is possible. You can actually work that way. You can start something even without knowing exactly what you're going to start. So I've gotten the hang of it. So that's why when I launched Women Change because I was able to do that. Now, because of that event, I am able to see, okay, what do women in their 30s experience and think? Mm, mm. What do women in their 40s, you know, why do they come to these kind of events? What are they looking for? Mm, mm. And I also have women in their 50s. And this time, interestingly, I had more women in their 40s and 50s. Oh, okay. Mm. I don't know why. I don't mm. have the reason for that. Mm. So way back before COVID, when we had a lot of women in their 30s, what I'm noticing is women in their 30s are asking that question of, why am I here? What am I doing? Am I doing what I really enjoy doing? Because in my days, it's not like that. In my days, like, God, you'd be happy you have a job, right? Mm-hmm. And you better do your best. Right. And it's not about competing with others. It's just about doing your best. So I find that women are becoming a little bit more picky, a little bit more reflective of what is it? What is my purpose? It's good, maybe not so good at the same time, right? Mm. Because in a way, then, you know, where's the focus? Okay, where's okay. the commitment? What's your strategy? Mm, mm, or, mm. you 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 know, and, and also that, that uncertainty. So I think sometimes that can also create some impact on mental wellness. Right, mm. because you you just feel unsatisfied 
and you don't know how you're going to do something about it. And of course, a lot of women already asking more and more about financial independence. Mm, mm, uh, even mm. though we're already a very independent nation, mm. but people are asking for more. Mm. Right? So that's quite a different from my days right? Mm. that I observed. So how would you advise uh, women in their 30s, mm. professionals, you know, based on what you have understood them? I may be a bit biased, but my corporate life has given me this comfort, right, that I have now. I think having a real good committed time period, not five years, not seven years, a little bit longer, does give you a stronger foundation. Ten years. It's very rare these days, you know what I mean, right? You don't have to be in the same company, but okay, you should okay. be in the in same, the same industry. sector. Okay. Especially now with digitization. Things are moving so fast. Mm. How do you really keep up? So you can't go to school to learn. You know, when people go to school to learn digital marketing, almost is a waste of time. Yeah, I shizan jing yen, you know. Yeah. I'm flying every day. I know the data, what's happening, what's worse, exactly. what doesn't. I can tell you everything, you yeah. know. That. <laughs> so, so you're not going to learn how to do a podcast. Yeah. You've got to do a podcast yes. to know... Oh, you know, that didn't work yeah, out very yeah, well. Yeah. What topic right. works, what then takes. Then you ask some people, yes, right, that yes, knows and then yes. help you. That's what I think a lot of people, maybe in their 30s, you need to figure out who you are. What do you stand for? So I'm running another workshop called, I'm using a very commonly used business tool, Strength, Weakness, Opportunity, Threats, SWOT. Mm. We use that tool to analyze businesses, to analyze brands. How come we don't use this tool to analyze us? Mm, right? Okay. Because every day, whether you're at work or in any relationship, you are positioning yourself. Yes. So you really need to know who you are, mm. right? What is the opportunity you're trying to address? Mm. And it doesn't mean that you have to be C-suite to be considered mm. success. Mm. But mm. you've got to know what are the opportunities you want. Yeah, but and you must be C-suite to join Shi Wang K. <laughs> la. That's a different thing. <laughs> yes. So I would still say that in your 30s, it's a time you really need to know where you want to specialize. Mm. and make sure you build a really strong foundation. Mm. Then maybe in your 40s, you could branch out a little bit more. Mm. You could take some risks. But mm. honestly, in the 30s, I'm still more for solidifying Double down on yes. something. Okay, yeah. okay, great. So mm. 20s will be more like trying all sorts of things. Yes. Then you settle down on something, you give a decade on it. Yeah. May not be the same company, you can move around. You know, it's like what I always tell people, you hate your boss, you change a company, right? Or change yeah. a job, right? If yeah. you start a business, you will hate yourself. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so do a 10 year stint yeah. and then get somewhere. And right? I think it's getting very stressful for the people in their 20s right now mm. and coupled with parents' pressure, mm. right? Because it's, their parents are working as well. It's true. So the Parents know, right? Dual parents working. Mm, mm, mm. There's a lot of pressure on, on the people in their 20s. Yeah. And and even, you know, you see the, the way everybody is interning like crazy, right? Oh. Yeah. And by the way, this internship thing, I have a lot to say about it. So I, I kind of don't like this concept of every semester I need to change, I need to change, I need to find something else, right? Mm. Sometimes actually a good internship has to be a lot longer because you need to discover yourself. It's not so much about learning the job and the industry. Mm. Actually, you're learning about yourself, mm. how you are mm. going to fit in the real world. Yeah. So a lot of people misunderstand the opportunity that internship can provide you. Mm -hmm. Actually, before I came back to Singapore, 
I was so scared to come back because I'm coming back to zero, to nothing. I'm not close to my family here. I don't really have my old girls network, whatever, because I didn't work in Singapore much. I don't even have a lot of CPF because I yeah, didn't you contribute. you are not integrated in the system. Exactly. Yes, yes. So for someone like me, I felt like an outsider coming home. So it's, it's not that easy to start all over again. And so what I did was I asked some recruiter in Hong Kong and said, hey, you know, this, this startup thing that I've been hearing, uh, do you know anybody? Can you introduce me so that I can offer them me FOC? That was how I started. I wanted to work in a startup so that I can understand how it feels like to be a startup because mm. I didn't have the courage to be a startup founder. So mm. that was my mm. best way in. So, yes, in that sense, I was interning. I had to deliver the goods to every fridge. I have to restock. I have to throw away the goods. Whoa. So you say, why do you do it? Because you know why? There was an app that was controlling all this. And I liked the analytics behind it. Mm -hmm. So I was very interested to see. So which person in DBS was working late every day and eat the same thing from the vending fridge? Whoa. I like that kind of information. Oh, wow. Yeah. And in fact, the people that were buying food from the vending fridge were all these people who were doing OT, IT oh, projects. Interesting. And this kind of information only when you are at the ground, yes. you know, when you do the thing, yes. then you get this kind of advantage. Right. Even as early as then, I had a real good taste, right? And mm. this really helped my angel investing journey now mm. because I'm not talking from reading Google articles, you know, or somebody's uh, well, post. That on one LinkedIn. very loaded, you know. This yeah. <laughs> that line very loaded. Can asshole episode, this one, yes, yes. Yeah. So, so really it was being on the ground and all that and having very difficult conversations with the founder, right? Mm. The partnerships that you put together, you will very soon get into trouble. And I can see a founder being in denial. That makes me realize that really a lot of founders... It's almost in their DNA. They have to be like that in a way. Mm. Because otherwise, they will not be mad enough to yeah, stay yeah, yeah, in their yeah, business. Yeah, 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 yeah? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. really have to kid yourself, I can do it, whatever. Yeah, right? yeah. But I was looking at the data. Mm. If you keep throwing away the stuff, who is going to sponsor the stuff to go into the fridge? Yeah. No-brainer, right? Yeah. You develop the app. Mm. You are the one who is giving people the dashboard to show them the analytics. Mm. How long can you hide this? Denial. After more weeks and more weeks, as I predicted, people, the merchants, start questioning, where is my ROI? And I don't want to waste food, right? Mm. Things like that. It's just understanding the makeup, the psyche of a founder, which I think is very important. Mm. Because when mm. we invest in early stage startups, we are investing in the founder. Mm, right. Mm. So I really enjoy understanding, having that empathy. Of course, having difficult conversations yeah. is also part of that journey. Of course, well. of course. But I want to close off the discussion mm -hmm. with asking you about like, what about the people that are thinking of joining a startup? How would you advise them? You know, like which startup to join? Are you suited for startups? You know, because it's, a startup is not just about a founder, right? There's a whole bunch of people that make it happen. Yeah. yeah. I would advise a lot of people who have never really understood what a startup is. Please go attend some startup events. Really hear how founders talk about their business. Go networking in those circles so that you meet some founders, you can get, ask them questions. doesn't matter whether you were planning to join 
those kind of startups or not. But get into that lingo, that yes, mindset, that, lingo. Yes, yes, yes. that mindset, that culture, so that you can understand also how far away are you from that, mm, right? Mm. Rather than sign up, get the job offer, enter and get a root shock. Mm, okay, mm. that would be very difficult to undo. Mm. Yeah. And then, of course, when we talk about startups, there's just too many kinds. Yeah. Talk to more people to figure out which kind really suits you. Are you really going to be able to start from scratch? Mm-hmm. Here already, I was so scared. Yeah. And then yeah. if you go to our famous scale-ups, right? Yes, yes. Now they're sometimes even more corporate than corporate. Yes, yes. So be careful. Because right. they were in a rush to corporatize, right? To have yeah. a system. So they started hiring all sorts of corporate people yeah. and it became a little bit like mm-hmm. too structured, too quick. Right. I feel, I feel. Yes. yes, yes. But important thing is do not think it is a safe bet. Definitely mm. not. You have to go in for the right reasons. Mm. Is it because you want to kind of relearn, unlearn a lot of the things you used to know, you used to do? You really want to catch up with the new world mm. and know how new businesses are made of, mm. how they grow their traction in a different way. Mm. If that's the kind of growth you want to experience, then by all means. And really go hunt. Instead of waiting for a job to look for you, go look for them. And I think what is nice about our startup ecosystem and in any country is that people are willing to have conversations. Startup people are amazing that way, yes. If you really sincerely tell someone, I used to do this, I've never done what you've done, you know, I don't know anything about your industry at all, but here are the reasons why I'm very keen. Mm. Do you Mm. mind having a conversation with me? I think it's how you pitch your intention. Mm. Mm. Most people will say yes. Fair, fair, fair. Mm. One last question based on based <laughs> on what you just shared. I thought that was good, right? Okay. You talk about startup being the new world, right? Mm-hmm. And like, you got to see whether you want to participate in the new world. Fundamentally mm. saying that there's an old world, right? So is mm. it okay for me to stay in the old world? Or is it is it is it that bad for me to stay in the old world? What are the repercussions that I potentially can face? I mean, I have to say that in the last six years, you know, I'm very proud of my achievements in my corporate life. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. but the things that I know in the last six years. And when I talk to my peers who are still in maybe the old world, right? God, there's a huge, huge gap. So if you are someone who is very contented with your life, you don't really care about new knowledge, stay where you are, as long as the opportunity is still there. But if you really want to continue to really stretch your mind and also make sure that you continue to have an active life, then why do you stop yourself from growing? Why do you stop yourself from learning? Why is it good to be same old, same old? Why do people stay in the same company for 30 years? Mm -hmm. I don't get it. So why is it so fearful to really jump ship and Mm -hmm. do something different or in a different environment? Maybe same thing, but in a different environment. 
that is also a change, right? That also tests to see whether you're adaptable or not. I'm not somebody who likes to just stay in one thing or stay in one place, right? But having said that, I would say in the last six years, I also mastered the art of do one thing really well mm. and mm. repeat it. Make sure your formula is repeatable. Yes. This is something I was not before in my corporate life. Also because I was lucky, I was always put onto a new assignment. Mm. Nothing wrong with that. Grew very fast. But now there's something about staying power. There's something about, you know, how do you repeat a formula so the word scalability comes in, mm, right? Mm, mm. So that's the magic, I think, of startup world or the new world. The redefinition of what does scalability really mean. There is another thing I want to add, right? Because sometimes I help my startups recruit talent. And the reality of the economy is, of course... Oh, I thought you, you wanted to recruit me. <laughs> <laughs> so the reality is, of course, there's a lot of people who are maybe in transition, forced to be in transition. And so they're applying for the startup world. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. But they're applying still with the old mindset. Mm. So still asking questions about what do I get, that kind of thing. And this is where these don't apply if you're not ready for that change. And please go find out about the change before you apply. Mm. That's really my advice based on real-time interviewing so many people from the so-called old world trying to apply to the new world. Mm -hmm. What is the real reason you're doing this? I know we all need our livelihood. We all need to be financially sound in order to be able to experiment. But still, your chances of success is going to be very low. If you actually go in with the wrong reason, you won't even get into the door anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you're not a fit. Yeah. You're not a fit. Yeah. Thank you. No, no, no. Thanks for sharing. Mm. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> Stay tuned all the way after these quick notes for our personal money question segment. Before that, I hope you've learned something useful today. Join our Telegram group, follow us on our socials and check out thefinancialcoconut.com. Uh, first question is, what has been your best and worst investment you've ever made? If we're talking about general, right? Just mm. money. Nothing to do with startup in this case. Mm. So my worst so one... So that's not your best investment? <laughs> <laughs> not yet, not yes, yet, yes, not, yes, yet yes, yes. not yet. So, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of us, of course, in our earlier days, maybe we dabbled in some real estate. But I was a stupid woman, right? And that's why I encourage a lot of women and men to really uh, be financially savvy. I was making so much money. I didn't really have to worry about money. But I was so dumb because I decided to be a hippie. So I decided not to owe the bank money. I was paying 11.5% interest on property. So I decided to sell it at half off so that I don't owe the bank money. Oh. So that's like the stupidest, worst mm. investment I've ever made. Yeah. What yet, about the best? Yet to come. Okay. okay. <laughs> and I hope it will be one of the startups that I invested in. I sure hope. I sure hope. Okay. Next question. What is one thing under $100 that has been a game changer for you? You know, that may not be an easy response for me. Instead, I want to share a paradigm shift okay. for me. When my helper started having goods delivered to my place every day, multiple shipments via Shopee, 
I was like, oh my God, what is this? I cannot lose to this. How come she knows how to get all these goodies and I don't know? What is this? I can't believe that in today's world that we can get things shipped to us almost free. Yeah. From so far away. Yeah. Right? And today I even had, you know, the post office calling me miserable shipment of under $10. Don't even talk about under $100. Okay. I don't know how this economy works, right? But I'm very happy that we have this kind of thing going on, mm-hmm. right? So this is where you just can't afford not to join the e-commerce world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Of course, there's the other side of the argument. Yeah? Mm-hmm. If it's cheap, that means wages are being suppressed, right? <laughs> That's a different discussion. That's a different yes, discussion. Volume, volume. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. different discussion. We have one last question. Mm-hmm. So what is one place you learn from that you think is underrated? Can be a book, website, YouTube, podcast, anything. I think YouTube for me, right, mm-hmm. is a very good go-to place. Is there a particular channel? Not particular channel. It's almost like everything you want to know, you definitely can find something there. And increasingly, I would say also Instagram. I think I go to Instagram a lot nowadays for everything, for learning, for buying, for just knowing what's going on in the world. So it's good to just be on both those channels. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Oh, thank I you appreciate. for a wonderful chat. Lovely. I love it. <laughs> nice.